What's up, guys? Thanks for joining us on the uh, Seek Outside podcast here today. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking some overlanding, uh, rigging up your vehicle to get you to the trailhead, and also doing some more extreme stuff. You're not going to want to miss this one. Love talking uh, to Owen about this. Uh, he's really big into the whole situation, so stay tuned. Just a couple announcements here. Um, we are going to be at BHA Rendezvous this year up in Missoula, Montana. Um, if you guys haven't gone, it's definitely something worth going to. Uh, it's really fun. We're going to be putting on some seminars, some kind of, we're doing one on backpack hunting and then one on winter camping. Um, we're going to have a bunch of tents set up. We're going to have a courthouse set up there. Um, I know a lot of people have been looking for uh, some answers on how big the courthouse is. We're going to have some cots set up in there. Um, so it's going to be a really, really awesome time up there. So feel free to, if you if you are already going, definitely stop by the tent. If you're not planning on going, you definitely should. There's going to be lots of fun stuff going on. So um, yeah, we'll see you up there and enjoy the episode today. Welcome to the Seek Outside Podcast. Hey, you, should, you think that's bad? See Ryan on the phone in the office. <laughs> Some people are just wired that way. So, Owen. I think we uh, we can both agree that there's only one vehicle that is made for overlanding and getting you to any destination on Earth that safely. Is, that is correct. And that vehicle is a 2007 Chevy, Chevy Cruze. Yep. One um, of the most capable vehicles on Earth. Yep. Make, I, sh- make sure you get front-wheel drive on it. Um, that's That's a big thing. Um, and then it's also very beneficial to have like one of the bumpers kind of hanging off. Yes. That, that's, that's key for aesthetic, but also, it allows, uh, it allows for performance. Yes. Yeah. Flex in the frame so that you can articulate. Yep. In all seriousness, let's talk trailhead <laughs> vehicle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. We got, uh, we got Owen Tim in here, um, who is, what would you call yourself in the, in the overland world? Like, would you, would you say that, how much overlanding do you think you do? I probably go 10 to 12 times a summer. Okay. And then like maybe two or three times in the winter. I'm a good once a monther. Once a monther. Yeah. Depending on my schedule. So. And so, so for the folks out there, what do you consider overlanding? Overlanding is going camping in your car to varying degrees, either taking a tent, rooftop tent, some kind of sleeping outside and driving to multiple destinations. Yeah. Which fortunately and where we live have tons of opportunities to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say most of the time you're overlanding to do a different activity, not just to camp in your car, but sometimes I just go do it to camp in my car. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, and I mean, there's there's varying degrees that we're kind of going to talk about this this podcast. We're kind of going to get into, um, you know, vehicles, what you kind of want. Um, but there's a whole it's uh, it's a whole freaking landscape out there of 
different vehicles. There's varying degrees of, you know, um, how extreme you want to get with overlanding. You know, it, I mean, really, we're going to start with what you need to get to some sort of trailhead that maybe you have to go over a four-wheel drive road. And then we're also going to go over, you know, things that you might need to get into the more advanced kind of like almost rock crawling doing some of the the big passes out there you know that we have yeah. in the san juans stuff like that so um why don't you start off by breaking down your mechanical expertise because you are a car guy man not a lot of people uh would would <laughs> pin it to you um but you you are a car guy you're constantly making renovations on the old uh the, on the old chevy cruise oh yeah, I mean, chevy I mean, cruise chevy cruise yeah. <laughs> yeah. um yeah break it down for us man yeah so i did an internship on working on cars in high school at a mechanic shop ever since then it's been it's not always the most fun time especially mm-hmm. when they're rusty but I've always liked working on cars. I had a Jeep when I was younger, and you got to work on them a lot. I had an 03 Grand Cherokee, and when you're 16, you beat the crap out of them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was replacing stuff all the time, usually suspension, um, modules in the engine, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. I think think the quickest way to get good at working on cars is to buy a Jeep. It really is. Yeah. That's how I am today. That's how I've made (laughs) it today. Um... But yeah, I mean, ever since then, I've owned a bunch of Toyotas, which is the obvious. You go from a Jeep to a Toyota because you're so sick of working on your Jeep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've lifted, put bigger tires on them all. I've never gone as extreme as maybe you see influencer overlanding, you know, with all the bumpers and everything. You know, I've, I've, my Jeep had bumpers on it that we made out of. (laughs) My buddy was a welder and uh, he made some bumpers out of a broken trampoline frame so i don't know how rugged they were but we hit them against some stuff and they worked so dude but that's (laughs) that's the vehicle that you want to see out in the backwoods if you have if your battery died or something like that if you're out 20 miles from civilization (laughs) that's the vehicle you want to see because you know the dude's going to be hopping out there's going to be probably some bush light falling out of the out of the floorboard there but he's going to get you he'll probably fix your truck up right there yeah he's probably got all the all the correct tools every tool he's probably got a welder in there yeah he's probably got everything figured out i'm always i'm always shocked at the the vehicles that you see deep in there you know obviously there's the the tricked out toyota trds you know the the fully you know factory oh you know essentially off-road vehicles but raptors zr2s all the all the crazy trucks nowadays yeah but the ones that really uh that really are out there doing it are like the the 2002 dodge durango that's just like (laughs) tricked out beyond belief dude or like i I i think the ultimate person that you want to see if your car is broken down. You want to see a 1980s Cherokee. Yeah. Just everything broken, dense, hardly any paint left on it, and you just want to see bumpers and huge tires <laughs> coming at you. You know that guy's fixed everything in the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, man, so so, so what? So let's break it down into, into two segments here. So let's first start off with um, maybe a vehicle – or or maybe some small modifications you can make to your vehicle 
um, on the on the more beginner side yep. that are are very beneficial um, in being able to get to the places that you want to go. And we're not talking about you know just dirt roads. We're talking about maybe there's a couple you know creeks that you have to drive through or you know mud. just yeah get so, you away from people. What are what are some of those modifications? You know, honestly, the first one to start off with is tires. If you have something like a Subaru Outback, which is it's a capable enough vehicle to get you to most trailheads out there, mm-hmm. um, something like that. If you go from you know your normal all-season tires to a more aggressive all-terrain, you're going to be able to get a lot more places. Mm -hmm. You know, um, a a tire can make the difference between everything. If you have your big old F-150 with lockers and everything, and you can't, and you have no grip on your tires, you aren't going to make it anywhere. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just the way it is. So, I mean, as far as beginners go, a nice tire, but you don't have to spend a lot, honestly. Um, Like a good Toyo or... Those BFG KO2s, those are just good tires. They'll last you a bit, and they have plenty of grip, and they still have some good road manners. Because the way I see overlanding is you still drive that car mm-hmm. every day. You aren't trailering it. You know, you it's your daily driver, mm-hmm. but you got to get, you know, you want to get to the trailheads on the weekends. You want to go camp with friends and family, go fishing, do your activities, go hunting. Um, so tires are definitely a big one, um, depending on what vehicle you have. A small suspension lift mm-hmm. can definitely make a huge difference as well. You don't want to go over the top unless you're willing to deal with the side effects of going <laughs> going too much, you know. But you can put. And it, what are the side effects of of lifting your truck too much? If you go too big without doing the proper things, like anything more than really a two inch lift on most vehicles, you have to start dealing with drive line vibration issues, just more wear and tear on your suspension, ball joints. CV axles, mm-hmm. it's it becomes a lot, and I've been there because I did a crappy three-inch lift. That wasn't even a suspension lift on my Jeep. So I did a three-inch lift on my Jeep, which through all this, you learn a lot mm-hmm. when, you, when you do cars like this. And it was just blocks, so it doesn't increase your suspension travel or anything. It just raises the vehicle. Mm-hmm. You're just putting blocks underneath the spring. I was a poor 16-year-old who wanted a three-inch lifted Jeep, you know? Um, and you know, I just started to have failures in my U joints, constant velocity axles on the front. I had an O3 Grand Cherokee. If anybody wanted to know, I think I may have already said it. I don't know. (laughs) Um, but yeah, anything over two inches, I feel like can be a detriment, you know, and Mm -hmm. the same thing goes for really big tires. You want to find a nice balance between road manners and suspension lift, right? You can lift something six inches, and if you trailer it to the trail every time, it doesn't matter. It's, yeah. You're probably going to break more stuff, but like, you aren't going to. The vibrations are doesn't really matter yeah. <laughs> when you're rock crawling. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think really the best thing you could do to a vehicle to at least get the places you wanted to go is all-terrain tires, a small suspension lift with an upgrade. You don't want to go to a downgrade in your suspension, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, putting like a Bilstein on there, something higher than the factory is going to make it ride a little bit better, some new springs, so you actually are increasing suspension travel. That's the way to do it. Those blocks tend to just lift your car off the ground, mm-hmm. not increase your suspension travel or your shock length or any of that fun stuff. Yeah. And so 
having a lift like that is going to really help for ground clearance. That's kind of the main thing that, that you're looking, uh, obviously like upgrading the suspension is going to make your ride smoother, but, yeah. but like the, I mean, I've noticed even with my Chevy Silverado, which I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, probably 24 inches off the ground. I don't know what the, <laughs> what the number is there. Right. Um, but you know, there's, there's still places where I'm like, damn, I wish I had just a few more inches yeah. of, of clearance up off the ground. And so that's, that's kind of the main thing that you're looking for when you're, yeah. when you're lifting your vehicle, huh? So that two inches is going to keep you, again, two inches off of the rocks that you may have been hitting before, which two inches doesn't seem like a lot, but it is, man. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, Talking to the guy there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to improve your breakover angle, which is when you go over, let's say you have a nice roll mm-hmm. and it's the middle of your truck is mm-hmm. where that breakover is, right? So when you roll over um, two inches, you're going to have a little bit more. You'll be able to go over higher things. You also have... Won't get bottomed out. Exactly. You'll have a better approach angle as well because your bumper is also two inches higher. Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to approach steeper obstacles. And then you'll also have a better... Um, what is the angle called? Um, you'll have a better exit angle, I guess yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. Um, so then you aren't going to be scraping your bumper. So, okay. you know, two inches, it, it'll get you a long ways. I mean, I have a Lexus GX470. I just did a two-inch lift on it because I didn't want to go over the top. You mm-hmm. know, I drive this thing all around the country to go places. And, you know, it still rides smooth, still works like a Lexus. Upgraded the suspension. You know, it rides nice, drives on the highway nice. But just going from the stock height to two inches higher, I was able to open up a whole new world of trails. Really? Yeah. Like, wow. obviously, it's not rock crawling. Yeah. <laughs> for, you know, and that is dependent on your definition of it. But I can go make it to almost any trailhead, do any trail in the San Juans, you know, mm-hmm. without an issue for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, and so so that's kind of like the the less flashy stuff, right? Like like totally. that's kind of the the meat and potatoes, as, in comparison to like when you're driving down the down driving down the road and you see you know a Toyota Tacoma that's just like you know matte black and it's got the the roof racks and the freaking snorkel and all that good stuff. Exactly. What are what are like if you had to pick? a couple of those um you know more flashy accessories what would you pick before we go ahead on that i just have one last to add to like oh yeah 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 so so we had the the all-terrain tires Mm -hmm. is like a really nice i mean you can even go mud terrain but that's going to be really loud on the highway you have an enormous amount of grip but going up a size or two, not going extreme, but just going up a size or two in tire size is also lifting your actual axle clearance, mm. which is can be huge. You know, like a 33-inch tire on like a 2-inch lifted Toyota or something, which is that's usually what I deal with, is not too big where it's going to – you have to re-gear your vehicle. You have all those side effects, right, like we were talking about. But it's giving you another, if you go from a 30-inch tire to a 33-inch, you're getting another inch of lift, technically. So now you're at a 3-inch lift, and that's where you can kind of get a little bit more ground clearance. So generally, the lift allows you to put a little bit bigger tire on there. Even at stock, if you put a bigger tire in there, you're already helping yourself out. It might kill your gas mileage just a smidge, but not too much. Yeah. And then, going back to what you said, the flashy stuff, 
Did you want to know what I didn't think worked or what worked? Both. Start with what you didn't think worked. It is all very dependent, right? So <laughs> depends on what you're doing, but roof racks I've found to be very much a cool look factor unless mm-hmm. you're putting like a rooftop tent on the top and your crossbars that come stock on your vehicle can't handle that or you need that much extra storage, which I, which I don't think many people really do. Yeah. You buy that thing, and on the highway, it's going to be windy and noisy on top of your roof, which, depending on the quality of the rack you buy, can change. The cheaper ones are louder. The newer, nicer ones are a little bit quieter, but they're still louder than just your stock vehicle. I mean, you're putting bars up on the top of your yeah. car. Yeah. So in my opinion, and, and at least that's for me, this is all such a subjective topic, mm-hmm. but... I think that the roof rack is a little bit overused as far as you see like people with, you know, like a lot of the times I'll find people who look at my car and don't think it's it's much, right? Because it's just a small suspension, just a little bit more entire. You know, it's a nice suspension kit on it. It's a Dobinson kit. Um, and then, you know, all the other things to make it run and keep it nice, like a transmission cooler, big transmission cooler on it and stuff. A lot of people see that and don't think it's much, right? Mm-hmm. They won't like think of it as much versus if I had a ladder on it and a roof rack and all these, you know, fancy things, fancy wheels, Yeah, <laughs> people are like, oh my God, look at that car, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's a little bit of the flashiness to it. And if I had the money, I totally would, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I don't want to put, you know, a set of $2,000 wheels $1,500 wheels on my car just to go throw them in the desert or on rocky passes and have yeah. rocks hitting them. Like, it would make it look really cool, but... It's getting scraped up all It's the getting time. scraped up. I just spray painted mine, and every time they get scratched up, I just yeah. fix them. Yeah. So that's that's your easier option if you want a different look. It's not the most quality, but, you know, it's it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, the roof racks, the bed racks, I think are actually pretty cool depending on what your needs are. The bed racks, if you get a low enough one, still allow you to use your bed, but you can have like a rooftop tent on it or something where you can store like a little gas, max tracks, dirty stuff on the outside, Mm -hmm. which I like. It's kind of the same idea as the roof racks, but I just think a truck is a little more utilitarian in the fact that you can just throw whatever greasy, nasty stuff you want on it. Just on the back, yeah. So that's nice. Um, I don't think it's needed, but I think I, I could find it being useful for people. Yeah, yeah. You know, myself included if I owned a truck. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what else? I mean, as far as you see, like the sliders and the skid plates totally think they're useful it's all very dependent on what you're doing um sliders can be useful in the real world honestly i (laughs) i've had people come up and park really close to me Mm -hmm. in their like sedans and i'm like well i don't have to worry about them hitting my car when they open the door because it's there's a big giant piece of metal that they're going to hit before they hit my car. Yeah. Which, yeah. That's yeah, kind of cool. Good point. Yeah. So it's a little bit of protection in the, in the urban overlanding environments. <laughs> urban um, overlanding. But yeah, that protects your car when you're going off road. Like, so even if you're scraping the bottom of your car a bit, you know that you have a big sheet of metal in between you and the important stuff on your car. Yeah. So sliders and skid plates, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're really getting into the extreme stuff, a lot of cars come with some 
don't be fooled. They'll be a lot. They're more like rock protectors when your vehicle is throwing up rocks. Maybe they have a, a hit or two in them, but it's not something you aren't going to put the whole weight of the car on that. And, yeah. and your motor or your gas tank be protected from yeah. that. So, um, what else is flashy? Well, let's talk rooftop tents. Yeah. Yeah, I, dive I, into it. I have a rooftop tent. You do. I do. You do. Seek outside rooftop tent? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> no. no, I have a rooftop tent, and uh, I had put it on my car. Um, I've had it for about a year. And at first, I was like, this is pretty cool. You know, you get the aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about the aesthetic, the roof rack, all that stuff. I put it on my stock roof rack. But what they don't tell you, what they don't market to you is every turn, because my car has soft springs on it, because I like, you know, I wanted to ride smooth. Um, what they don't tell you is every turn, you're going to feel like you're going to roll at 10 miles an hour. What they don't tell you is you can't, you, some of the drive throughs you don't get, you can't make it through anymore. <laughs> like it's no it, McDonald's for you, man. It's in, inconvenient. And is for me as a mountain biker, taking one of those tents somewhere, let's say I go to Moab for the weekend, right? Mm-hmm. And I go set up camp. Oh man, I forgot beer. I got to go into town and get beer or something, right? Yeah. You have to pack up all of your camp and you have no way to save your camp spot, which yeah. in Moab, unfortunately, is terrible because it's probably going to get nabbed, Yeah. right? So unless you have another way to get to town or you've planned everything before you get to your camp spot, those rooftop tents are kind of annoying. Yeah. Setup is just as long as it would take me in an eight-man. Yeah. And so after I spent all that money on a rooftop tent, I'm like, well, you know what would make it easier is if I just built a trailer for it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So now I'm in, now I'm in to, the, to make this rooftop tent work. I'm in it like, you know, $5,000, which is not cheap. No. It's very comfortable because there's just a mattress inside of it. I really like that. It's convenient in ways, but in the wind and weather, it flaps. Really? It flaps around. It's it's a pain, but I like it because the trailer allows me to leave my camp spot, completely use my vehicle without having to close the tent. So if I'm going somewhere that's going to be two to three days and I want to just set up me and my girlfriend and maybe our dog, um, that's not too bad for me. I, I like the trailer setup. There's nothing inside my car. If there's dirty stuff, I just throw it on the trailer. That's yeah. easy. But as far as the rooftop tent on your roof or on your truck bed, it is a bit of a limitator. Yeah. And so, so, and just before we go any further, yeah. what are the, what are the benefits? Like why, why is, why are rooftop tents such a, a common thing that you see in this world, <laughs> in the, in the overlanding world out here in the, you know, the desert? It looks cool, man. No. Yeah. Um, no, but what are the what are some of the functional things that you'd rather have a rooftop tent over okay. over right. another tent? Flying bugs tend not to be at rooftop tent heights. Okay. That's nice. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. You don't have to worry about any snakes or scorpions, mm-hmm. which you really don't have to worry about in the first place, but you know, it's nice. Yeah. Um and you can generally leave your sleeping bags and pillows inside of it, depending on which model you have. Okay. Which is nice. So, it, yeah. you know, you can flip it up and crawl into camp pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to, you can, you can set up on slick rock as well, which you just can't do with any other tent, you know? That's true. That's true, yeah. Unless you're putting in a lot more work tying it off and stuff. Yeah. Um, 
when before I had that, I did have I just took an eight person teepee mm-hmm. and a nest. And that was honestly a great setup. I probably should have never gone away from it. They take about the same time to set up. Mm-hmm. And it's way easier to get a dog in and out of. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're lifting our 80-pound golden retriever in and out of this tent that's six feet off the ground. Yeah. That's a lot of work. That is. And if he needs a potty in the middle of the night, you you hate that tent. Yeah. Well, and they don't tell you as a person if you got a potty. Exactly. <laughs> it's brutal, man. Exactly. It's terrifying. Yeah, you're walking down that cold freaking ladder. It's it, it could be a pain. Yeah. It could be a pain. I do like it overall, but I mean, if I if I had my go at it again, I would have saved my money. Saved my money on the trailer, especially with gas prices right now. Yeah. Uh save my money on the trailer and just either probably would have bought just a dedicated RV or teardrop or something. Mm-hmm. Or I would have just stayed with the tent. The tent's mm-hmm. like I can use my eight man for hunting too and yeah. backpacking. Yeah. And it, you're going to, it's going to be a long time until you see somebody with a rooftop tent hiking their ass into the back yeah. country. Yeah. Cause I mean, those things weigh 150 pounds. That's another thing. Like if you want to take it on and off of the top of your vehicle and you don't have a really good quick connect system or just a really good system in a really high garage, um, it is hard, you really? know, like with you, me and my girlfriend, it would take us, a lot of muscle yeah <laughs> and it used to be scratch up my car and the whole process it was just a pain yeah right, now i'm thinking about it. i hate that damn <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah well so maybe maybe the rooftop tent is not the place to go and yeah. i mean the slick rock thing does does seem like it would be a benefit in you know places like out here where it, it you know sandy spots where it's tough to pitch but i mean really a, a a good old fashioned tent sounds like it, it might be the, the way to go. And, you know, uh, especially, you know, at the money that you're, you're spending, yeah, totally. like, I don't want to, I don't want to get to like sales many, no, you know, not plugging, not, not plugging, but you know, I, I do think that, I mean, how much does a rooftop tent, how much did your rooftop tent cost? 2,200 bucks. Yeah. So you can get an eight person teepee with, well, let's call it a freaking Cimarron if it's just you, your girlfriend, and your dog. Cimarron with a full nest Cimarron, for half the price. <laughs> you could get a Cimarron, a half nest, and a stove for half the cost. Yeah. And then you have that money to, to put onto some, some other accessories to your truck. Like sli- sliders or yeah. skid put. Exactly. So I do want to touch on the three aspects of overlanding. Because it's it's subjective, just like everything else. Like a backcountry hunt could be one mile, and then to some people it can be seven miles in mm-hmm. with a ridiculous amount of gain. Yeah. Um, so I want to start with aspect one, I think, or class one. I'm kind of more of a class two person, kind of in the middle, and then mm-hmm. class three. Class one is anybody with their stock car. They don't have to put money into it, right? Mm-hmm. You can take your Subaru Outback cross track, your standard truck, whatever you got. Probably not a Chevy Cruze, but you probably could do it with your Chevy Cruze. It's the best overlanding vehicle out there. Yeah, it is. It's kind it of more is. of a class three to me, but I I think it's class three. Um, but you know, just taking your car out there, going down a dirt road that maybe has some small technical features, a little bit more rocky than your average place. And going out there, setting up a tent or sleeping in the back of your car, 
to go do your activity. Let's mm-hmm. just say overlanding is to go do your activity. Say you take your outback out there with a bike rack on it, sleep in the back of your car, drive back to town and go mountain bike mm-hmm. or rock climb or whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. That's class one. You don't really need to do anything to your vehicle. You could to go further, right? You could put those tires on, maybe a small suspension lift, mm-hmm. and you could go to those spots just a little bit further back, a little further away from everyone. Mm-hmm. Class <laughs> one is hard to get away from people, I think, you know? Because everybody can do it. Because everybody can do it, but that's kind of the great thing about it. If you own a vehicle, you can go do this, mm-hmm. right? Like, and it's fun. It's just, it's camping with yep. your friends and whether it be in a tent or you just use what you got. Mm-hmm. Throw a sleeping pad in the back of your car, and if you can sleep in it, fit in it, there you go. Good to go. Class one. Um, Class two, which is kind of what I do, which is I'm going, it's a mix between class one and lower class three, Mm -hmm. right? Most of the time, I'm going to a destination, going further back than most everybody else because I've I've modified my vehicle with a suspension lift, some bigger tires, some all-terrain tires. And some other fancy things. I have a bit of a kit that I take out every time. Mm-hmm. You know, I have that trailer with the rooftop tent. Sometimes I take out a seek outside zoom around. Mm-hmm. And I'm going out a little bit further than everybody else to these really cool, pretty camp spots. Maybe I'm traveling over three spots for three days, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm generally mountain biking or just camping with my friends. So that's kind of class two where you're able to get in some more technical terrain because you've likely modified your vehicle or you have a very capable vehicle from the factory such mm-hmm. as like a trd pro forerunner or something with a, a with raptor a more off-roady package yeah something yeah. something that's more designed for off-road mm-hmm. right or you've modified your vehicle to go a bit further and like i said i'm kind of a mix between the class one and the class three sometimes i'm taking my car on places that it should be embarrassed to go you know just a dirt road yeah. <laughs> you know where i'm like well oh, i have this modified car and i'm just camping on dirt roads yeah um and then yeah so y- you can do that in most cars that have an off-road package from the factory or your modified vehicle you're probably going to be hard pressed to make it in your outback these mm-hmm. places i'm going or your, you know, your smaller all-wheel drive vehicles. <clears throat> Class three is you're doing passes to passes. Like you're going off-road. You're doing technical features. You have a fairly heavily modified vehicle. It doesn't need to be fairly heavily <laughs> modified, but it's going to last a lot longer if you do. Mm-hmm. You got your skid plates, all your gear. Like you're strictly going out to hit hard trails mm-hmm. to get to your destination and see all the beautiful things in between. Yeah. I think most people probably end up at about class two. You know, you a lot of people like modifying their vehicles. You mm-hmm. know, I do a lot. Um, but, you know, those are kind of the three classes of Overland. I'd say. I mean, there's class four. I mean, you could be a rock crawler and your razor and do some <laughs> yeah, insane too. stuff that you don't think <clears throat> yeah. vehicles can really even do. Um, there's always those Dodge Durangos out there. It's 2002 Dodge Durango. <laughs> there's always the 2002 Dodge Durango. No exhaust on it. It's chopped at the headers. Yeah, it's either that or like a like some vehicle that they don't even make anymore, like a like a Ford Expedition or uh, uh, Explorer. Or, Exploder. Yeah, Ford Exploder. Um, yeah. Um, so you touched on one thing there um, that I kind of want to ask. Yeah. Uh, in terms of maintenance, yep. if if you are going on a lot of back dirt roads, you know, kind of doing some more 
technical stuff. What are some um, just maintenance things that everybody should look out for? Like, are obviously washing your car is kind of a big one. You don't want you know you don't want yeah. sand and stuff all up under your vehicle. What are, what are some things like that that people can do to keep their vehicle running longer? It can be dependent. Obviously, like if you're pushing your vehicle hard and getting it hot and working it in really dusty environments, oil changes and air filters, do them a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. You know, clean your air filter out or get a new one. And, you know, if you're pushing your car hard, maybe shorten your oil change intervals a little bit less than you would if you were just highway driving. Mm-hmm. Um washing your car if you've gone through some really nasty mud and stuff mm-hmm. i mean once it gets into the spots where it can start destroying stuff <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> what once it gets into those those spots like wheel bearings all the nasty stuff it can start destroying stuff yeah another thing i want to say is water crossings <laughs> you see all these cool videos where all these guys with their snorkeled up trucks and vehicles hit the water crossing it explodes looks beautiful and awesome that is a way to quickly end your vehicle yeah. <laughs> um you know you're putting water in spots that shouldn't be including your air box mm-hmm. where the it goes into your motor which if you get enough water in your motor it's going to hydrolog and you're going to need a new motor likely mm-hmm. depending on what car it is and how bad you did it um so yeah i mean as far as maintenance making sure like and then another thing with the water crossings, you can get it in your electrical and start frying stuff. So being gentle to your car and just taking care of it a little bit more than you would if you were just driving down the street every day to work. Mm-hmm. It's probably a good idea. You know, just always check your check your suspension, check your bushings and all the good stuff on your mm-hmm. vehicle. Um what else? What else did I have here? If your if your vehicle is not necessarily built for off-road, let's say you're taking your Subaru Outback, which I deemed kind of a class one vehicle, right? It can make it the spots you want to, but it's not going to go off-roading super hard. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we don't get a bunch of Subaru guys coming after me. Yeah, I mean, there's some pretty pimped out. I mean, hey, Colorado, that's a Subaru. I know. Subaru State. I'm going to get put on a stake and burned. Call it a Honda Civic. Yeah, <laughs> All-wheel drive on a Civic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, though, you see some of those back there. You see them. That's class one. I mean, you can go. You're probably damaging your car. But yeah, when you're Two-inch ta- clearance. But, <laughs> yeah. When you're taking those smaller cars that aren't necessarily de- designed for it, you're probably going to have to maintain them more. It's just more work on the suspension and everything on the car. Yeah. So you're going to beat them up, you yeah. know, and you're going to have to work on them a bit more. If you overbuild a vehicle, like, that's kind of what I like to do, like, as my class two that... I know I can do some class three stuff with. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go on the hardest trails out there, but I can do most most off-road trails, you know. Uh, but, you know, I try and overbuild them where, you know, I have, I have nice tires that are 8 to 10 ply, so big, beefy tires on there that are hard to puncture. Um, that's what I would do. I did actually buy four ply tires. Don't do it. <laughs> um, and then with the flat. like a, a transmission cooler 
Um, my vehicle came stock with one, but I'm towing a trailer off-road, which is slow speed. Your transmission can get hot. So a bigger <clears throat> transmission cooler is going to keep that transmission fluid fresh for longer, mm -hmm. and it's going to have a lot less likelihood of burning. Mm -hmm. And transmissions aren't cheap. A lot no. of people know that. Um, I know that personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, transmissions aren't cheap, so it's really good to look after those fluids. A big maintenance item that some people might not think about is having a way to monitor their vehicle mm -hmm. off-road and on the highway and all that stuff. So I, I bought a scan gauge, two. You can get Bluetooth things like this. It, you know, they just... It's something that gives you your car feedbacks back to it and tells you temperatures. Most most places online will tell you, you know, kind of what your operating range for your vehicle is. Like, you'll have your water temperature, so your coolant temperature. And, like, you know, if it starts getting high, you can start damaging the block or your motor. It mm -hmm. can bend and, and everything like that. So being able to monitor that, especially when you're slow speed up really steep hills, that's a good thing. Transmission fluid is another one of those things. Um, it's huge if you're towing, huge if you're going really slow speed up really steep stuff, just mm -hmm. because your transmission heats up really quick. Again, that's applicable to automatic transmissions, but that's kind of the world is mostly automatics at this point. Yeah. Um, so just being able to monitor those temperatures and know like, this is, this is bad temperature. This is good temperature. Mm -hmm. You know, like having a baseline, like operating temp on my Lexus is about 170 mm -hmm. for the transmission fluid. And over 220 is getting hot enough that it's starting to break down the fluid, you know, which now in my new cooler, I never really see above 200, which is perfect. So it's just in operating range. And same thing with your water temp. Like you don't want to go over 220 in my car and you don't want to be super low where your motor's not hot enough. So just being able to monitor that can keep you from a catastrophic failure pretty easily yeah. off-road, especially if you're far away from stuff. Nobody wants to, you know, have to make that call to their... Yeah somebody pick them up or have AAA come out there and tow them out you know what i mean yeah. Yeah. um you know what another crucial piece of gear is what something so. that you can reach people with without having service yes such as like a garmin inreach correct i had an experience where i got very stuck doing something very stupid in my car in just mud all the way up to my frame <laughs> like it took it took two 1500 trucks like two ram 1500s essentially it was a big toyota tundra and a ram 1500 to tow me out with max tracks like everything like i i really did a oops yeah <laughs> big, big oopsie <laughs> i did i made a big oopsie and one of the one of the uh toe straps snapped like it was i yeah. was i was buried i remember seeing pictures yeah didn't look fun i was deep and yeah. if i would have if nobody was around that weekend or day i was out there I've been, I've been screwed. Yeah. So having a way to reach people when you're out there, if there is some kind of emergency like that, if you made an oops, is a really great, great thing. Yeah. I think that's a, a good point to bring up with anything, but especially with like going to places deep in the back country with your vehicle, right? I mean, if you're uh, even like with uh, the, the trip that me and Zach just did yep. um, in Austin on our turkey hunting trip, you know, we were we were probably a good 15 miles down a dirt road that it's not anything crazy, obviously. There's a few vehicles back there, but it's not a lot. I mean, yeah. it's like, you know, if you go there during the week, which we did, um, luckily we were during turkey season, but 
I would assume, you know, during not turkey season, there would be, you know, maybe one vehicle every, you know, every day or something coming yeah. up there. It's not a very popular spot, but it's just just knowing, like, operating within your means and almost like underestimating your vehicle yeah right? like don't totally. push it to the point where where you start questioning you know oh shit am i gonna be able to get out of here <laughs> yeah. you know like that's never the spot that exactly. you want exactly it's, it's always good to play it on the safe side um now obviously some people get joy out of pushing their vehicle to the it's fun absolute max yeah but you gotta you gotta in that circumstance you gotta have i mean it's always good to have a, a another person there always good to have another vehicle there um you know i've like i was i was um me and a couple of my buddies we went up to a, a camping spot up in a kind of popular area but um you know the day that we went nobody was up there we actually were trying to you know we got in a situation where we were like this is a perfect camp spot right here yeah but the one across the river is even better yeah so and the dude had a toyota uh tacoma and uh we got bottom out bottomed out trying to cross the there's like this little dip going across the river and we were literally stuck there for the night there's nobody there <laughs> luckily the next day it was a kind of a popular like four by four trail yeah and the next day you know we were trying to dig out trying to dig out couldn't get out you know there was a guy in a in a razor that came up and we were like, hey, man, I know you probably don't have the horsepower to help us, but could you try? And he tried, couldn't do it. Luckily, eventually some dude in an F-150 came up there and uh, and was able to pull us out. But, yeah. you know, situations like that, it's like you got to just kind of gauge, uh, you know, it. we were young and kind of yeah. stupid. Yeah. Nowadays, definitely would have been like, dude, this is a perfectly good camp spot right here. We can walk across this little stream here. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, it's a matter of, of being safe and kind of knowing your limits as as to what your vehicle can do. and Totally. Not pushing it. Or do, but just be prepared for the, for the consequences yeah. of, of what can happen there. And th there's a risk and reward to all of that, right? Yeah. Like, I, I love pushing my vehicle on what as we had talked about like class three stuff where it's difficult off-roading mm -hmm. um you know you're trying to get stuck almost mm -hmm. um but when you're when you're far away and you're you're in the back country deep you know like mm -hmm. it's nice to have at least a backup plan if you're going to do that i would say most of the experienced guys who really like trying to push their vehicles they probably have some kind of backup plan you know they're at least yeah. knowledgeable enough to know their limits but um it's definitely to be said just you know be careful out there yeah, yeah. <laughs> um there's there's a lot of fun if you build a car there's a lot of really fun things you can do with it that are challenging you know like you learn how to pick lines and how your vehicle reacts to every single situation um but oftentimes it's it's easy to go too far you know especially mm -hmm. if you got somebody egging you on you know yep, exactly. <laughs> or your buddy did it right in front of you and you're like peer oh, pressure man. man it's always the peer pressure yeah but i wanted to touch on i think one last thing um i wanted to i want you to give me two scenarios maybe like what you would want to do let's say you're getting into overlanding and 
just go from there. Give me two scenarios. Give me kind of more of a class one and then give me more of a class 2.5. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, so I'll give one for, I know a lot of our listeners out there are, are big time hunters. Yep. So give me the perfect Colorado elk hunting vehicle. Chevy Cruze. Chevy Cruze. <laughs> Un- undoubtedly. <laughs> there's going to be like, there's going to be a, uh, people that go out there. Do we just raise the price <laughs> of Chevy <laughs> Cruze? <laughs> They're going to go out to their dealer and they'll be like, I'm looking for an off-road vehicle. I've heard a Chevy Cruze is great. <laughs> the, the dealership is going to be like, what in the fuck are you listening <laughs> to? What you listen to? <laughs> uh, so you, so you want to you wanna get to the trailhead? Yeah. And you want to use it for hunting. Yeah. And so, so a little backstory, right? I mean, Colorado elk hunting, there's, there's some roads that I've been on that are, you know, a little bit sketchy. I would say this is more of like a class one vehicle. Um, but you, you know, in the, the shoulder season fall, fall or spring, if you're going to be wet, could be be wet. You kind of need some traction. What's uh what's your perfect vehicle there? I mean, I would probably say, a, depending on how much gear you're bringing in, if you're like an ultralight, not an ultralight, but if you're a backpack hunter, honestly, I'd say you could get away with, and I'm biased to Toyota. I just happen to think they're one of the more reliable vehicles. But I would say something like from a Toyota Tacoma to a Tundra size, so like a Chevy 1500, Ford F-150, you know, just one of your smaller light duty trucks is going to get you there. You have a place to put coolers, meat, um, and it's going to get you to most trailheads. Mm -hmm. If you, if the trailhead's really that far out and you can't take a stock off-road package truck out there, then, you know, you're going to, you're going to need something else. Mm -hmm. So, but for most places I've been, you can make it in a full size or small light duty pickup truck and something that, can store your coolers, store your meat, store some of your gear. It's going to be really good. At least that's my opinion of it. Again, very subjective. Yeah. yeah. Some people might say the hatch of a Chevy Cruze is big enough for all of that. <laughs> uh, Austin's going to listen to this. He's going to be fucking pissed. Uh, um, yeah. No. And uh, I mean, just like, like, on that on that point, I think you can learn a lot from like the vehicles that you see in Colorado. Yeah. Right. I mean, like a lot of the vehicles that are driving around here are, are, um, you know, I honestly don't see that many Subarus anymore. Do you notice that? Yeah. They're dying off. Like they, they used to be, and I had a Subaru out back for a while. My brother has one. He loves it. He takes it everywhere. But you know, I feel like the mechanical integrity of those things is, has died off a little bit. We're going to get canceled. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but I don't know. Like, my freaking engine exploded. My serpentine belt just exploded in the middle of nowhere. Um, well, not in the middle of nowhere. It was in the middle of a city, but, like, out of nowhere, I should say. Um, my brother's had plenty of issues with his Subaru. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The vehicles that I probably see the most around here are Toyota Tacoma. That's probably number one. Tundra? F-150, Tundra. 1500 GMC, Chevy? Yep, Chevy. Um, but like top three, I would probably say Toyota Tacoma, either a GMC Sierra or Chevy Silverado and probably a forerunner. Those are probably like the top three vehicles that I've seen. I've seen forerunners and then 
I, I do see some Subaru Outbacks out there when I'm elk hunting, yeah. something like that. But and, and all the all those vehicles are capable of, of class two. That's kind of what yeah. I was referring to, especially the you know the Tacoma, the Chevy, mm-hmm. the you know the Forerunner, easy vehicles that you can get into the backcountry, mm-hmm. and most of them opt for the off-road package. I would say if you live in these parts of the of town, you usually have four-wheel drive. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those are all all great vehicles and, and depending on if you want a truck bed or not, you know, a I've seen I've seen uh people, specifically Kevin, mm-hmm. pack out a six by elk on top of his Lexus. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. so I mean it's pretty badass. Yeah, I mean you, you can do anything with what you want. It's just kind of how you prefer to do it. I, I think personally that if I want a hunting vehicle, I would prefer a truck mm-hmm. or kind of a bit more clapped out SUV that I don't mind messing up the inside on. Yeah, yeah. Um, All what's right. what's me, another situation? Yeah, let me give you my other situation. So situation number two is a guy that lives in a certain area of Colorado yeah. that both you and I know that is very famous for its uh, high mountain passes. Okay. And it's a popular spot for people to go off-roading. Okay. And some of the passes people have actually died on Uh trying to cross them. You know which one I'm speaking of? Yeah. Yeah, don't be dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, so like for for high mountain pass crawling, you know, if if you're one of those guys that wants to – I mean, would you – you would probably consider most of those – more upper stage two stage three passes yeah, right yeah no i would i would say i would say most so high of, mountain passes yeah just just high mountain technical consequential rocky, yeah yeah rocky something you need Steep a very dependable vehicle on. i mean those passes aren't rock crawling but you know you need yeah. you need a vehicle that can do it it's you aren't going to do it i've seen some cars make it some ridiculous places on those passes yeah, yeah but i mean that comes up to driver's driver's skill you can you can have a lot of skill and get things a lot of places you know when i was a kid we took our 2005 honda pilot yep. up one, one of those passes it, i have never been in more fear for my life than i was then I but it made it yeah. it made it but i would say in general I mean, you want some, you want something that's going to do it not easy, but like you aren't going to be stressed about it. Exactly. My opinion on those passes <laughs> is they get skinny and they get busy. Mm-hmm. And a full size vehicle, such as like an F one fifty or or like a fifteen hundred, can do them. But there's parts where it's skinny and you want the shorter track. And when your people are passing you or you're letting people by, mm-hmm. you want to shorter smaller vehicle mm-hmm. especially like let's just say in, in the name of a black bear pass mm-hmm. you probably aren't going to do it in a full-size vehicle yeah not without a pain of work there, there's some hairpin turns very yeah just like those. even on really small car and it's extremely dangerous yeah. that pass i would say most people like a toyota 4runner is probably the best bet it's not a huge SUV, but it's not small. Like mm-hmm. it's still enough that you can carry all your gear in it. Not very powerful, but you don't really need the powerful. You got four low. Mm-hmm. Um, that or like a Tacoma, but honestly, the Forerunner or like the smaller Lexus SUVs, like I have, those are really great cars for doing those passes. They're mm-hmm. they're small. 
they have great turning radiuses um and they aren't super wide in the track Mm -hmm. um honestly i can't those new broncos those are great for that they're they're quite wide those new broncos unfortunately um but those will those are perfect for it too great turning radiuses ride quality you don't need a ton of ground clearance like my a two inch lift and some bigger tires good tires and some protection like sliders and things that make you not hit the bottom of your car yeah, yeah. <laughs> um skid plates are, are going to get you a long ways you should be able to do every single one of those passes um you probably want a bit of a newer car maybe or a bit more bulletproofed yeah well so a famous uh like kind of like a, a popular thing down here is jeeps yeah right? i mean like it like do i say it mm-hmm. i'll say it the san juans okay so the san juans we can bleep it out if we need to <laughs> bleep bleep um the San Juans are very popular. I, I guess they're already blown up. So yeah, cares? they're kind of already fucked. But um, <laughs> like Jeep four by four tours is like an actual legit business. Oh, that's huge! And yeah. it's Jeep Wranglers that they take those things up the passes. So why why is that not like on the top of your list? And is it because you're lo- so like? Is it just because if that's your everyday driver? I I'm I am thinking of it more as in your daily driver. I think yeah. I think a vehicle with independent front suspension is going to drive better on the highway. Solid axles have come a long way, but any like a Jeep Wrangler is just a solid front axle, which is better off road. Mm-hmm. A stock Wrangler like Rubicon versus a TRD Pro Four Runner Wrangler Rubicon is a more capable vehicle. I'll say it out there that just hurt my poor little heart so bad. <laughs> poor Lexus having soul. <laughs> poor Toyota loving. Um, but they tend to have problems. Mm-hmm. They tend not to be very useful for daily driving. And like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I'm talking about something I drive. We all drive to work. We all drive around on the highway to get to where we need to go. But Sometimes we got to make it on the camp. We got to make it. We want to go across this path, right? Mm -hmm. So you're looking at the best for that. And it's not like a brand new Wrangler is going to be miserable to drive. It's just going to be less pleasurable than its independent front suspension counterparts. Um, And statistically less reliable. Yeah. I'm sure there's people out there with 250K on their Jeeps. Oh, yeah. They're for sure. No problem. But, with every every yeah. make and model of vehicle, you just you get more lemons with them. Um, Jeeps are cool though because you can get models or most models. I'm pretty sure, as far as Wranglers go, you can just rip the carpet out if the carpet hasn't already been ripped out and just spray down the inside, which might make it a pretty good candidate for getting up to hunting camp because yeah. you just spray down the back. Yeah, no worries. Just- just wash it out. They also do make models like the Willys. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a cool, cool vehicle because that is solid axle. It's a more capable vehicle than most things you're going to get on the market as far as rock crawling, right? Mm-hmm. But it's power. It's not power windows. It's manual windows. It's, you know, hardly has AC. <laughs> like, like yeah, AC, I mean, AC is an option. Yeah. Like just super basic where you do miss out on a lot of those issues. 
super basic, fairly cheap, and you can get it as a brand new car, like in the thirty thousands. Yeah, maybe even high twenty eights, which I I think that's I think that's a pretty cool vehicle, and it's something I would consider. But I'm too much of a Toyota fanboy at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean you can you can read into everything online, yeah. and there's so many different opinions. You know, it, it like I think that's the thing if you're just looking for an off road vehicle that you know maybe you're gonna tow from California to Moab. Oh yeah, get a know. Jeep, slap ridiculous tires on it, done, done. Yeah, but if you're looking for an everyday driver that you know like the the like. We talk about this here in Colorado a lot, like at least I do. You want a multi-purpose everything, right? Yeah. Like there's four distinct seasons here. You can go from Denver, Colorado, which is essentially L.A. now, <laughs> to, <laughs> to you know, X place in Colorado, which, you know, you're, you're 30 miles from the closest Walmart, yeah. right? You want something that can cover that full range. And, yeah. and be dependable, you know, on the highway, but also get you out, you know, to hunting camp, to fishing yep. camp, to camp camp. Um, and that's kind of what we're looking for. And that's, that's, you know, that's where those Tacomas come in handy. That's where the Silverados come in handy. That's where the, you know, forerunners come in handy. Yep. Um, you know, so, so it's all very dependent. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's all, uh, what was the word I was using earlier? A word. Those Words. Words. Um, it's on the tip of my tongue. God damn it. <laughs> Scenario-based. It is scenario-based. <laughs> it's subjective. Subjective. It is, it yeah, is all extremely subjective to what you do and what you want. Yeah. If you don't give a damn about driving on the highway, go buy yourself a 2000 Wrangler, slap a big tire on it, it's crappy suspension, get out there yeah you will go more places than everyone else yeah but if you uh you know if you want to live in it work in it make it you know you want something that's going to be dependable you know there's so many options out there cars are a lot better than they've been in a lot of years right now Mm -hmm. you really can't go wrong for your initial hundred thousand miles Mm -hmm. i mean you can (laughs) but um Best, right behind <laughs> yeah. Toyota and reliability. Yeah. Maybe go out there and get yourself a Kia. Yeah, Kia I Soul. think this is what we've come down on the podcast. Chevy Cruze, Kia Soul. Going to be the best vehicle. Throw uh, a 12-inch lift. 12-inch lift, 35-inch tires, chop the roof off. Brand new. You're good. Can we make that like our seek outside like company vehicle i would can we just go get that i wish that's what we were taking to bha <laughs> that would be so dope man oh man could you imagine somebody packing out a six by six bull on a kia, kia soul, soul? Oh, be awesome. dude if i see that one day i will stop I will give him stop. a handshake yeah handshake not say a word to him and, and dip yeah <laughs> yeah uh, I, I think i think it's a weird place in the overland thing because it, it is just your car mm-hmm Unless you're trailering it, but I'm going to consider that rock rolling. Where you're just trying to find the best balance between how much do you want to hate it on-road and how much do you want to hate it off-road. Yeah, You can make something that's so good off-road, but you're going to hate it every second you're on pavement. And vice versa. You can make something that's so good on-road, you can just buy a fucking Toyota Camry. 
Yeah. And then and then you're off road and you're like, I want to kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> like this car is terrible, right? Off road. And that's to be seen, right? But I think a good I think most people, if they're hunting and want to get to a little bit more remote camp spots, r- more remote fishing spots, all that stuff, I think they should go with a full to mid size truck or a mid size SUV, right? Mm-hmm. And choose the off-roady package. Some of those packages come with lockers. That's huge. If you can find a package with a locker, like a TRD mm-hmm. locker in the rear, that is increased your capability 50%. Like, that, that is a lot. So if you can get it to that point, if you can kind of get an off-roady package, like, you're going to make it where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And a two-inch lift is going to get you that much further. Slightly bigger tires are going to get you that much further. It's kind of just, it's the basics. You want, you want something you can build off of, mm-hmm. which you can build off of a lot of cars, but you got to know what your time's worth. Yeah. You want to get something that generally, if it's popular, I hate to say, it, if it's popular, it's popular for a reason. Yep. Most people Especially like it with cars. Yep. Most people like a ZR2 Chevy, like uh, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Damn good truck. It, you know I mean, questionably reliable <laughs> just kidding uh no it's a, it's, a, it's a good truck that gets you all the places you need a little bit small but like if you aren't towing much who cares it gets you everywhere you need yep. same with the tacoma but like if you need to step it up you know go go to a full-size pickup mm-hmm. pick the off-road package if you really if you don't think it's capable enough two inch lift a little bit of tires you're good to go good to go unless you're really pushing it but honestly you shouldn't be pushing it in a full-size truck so (laughs) yeah yeah well i mean yeah i think i think that's uh that's a good kind of summary there yeah i mean do you have any other any other bullet points to to hit on on overlanding or any hot tips any big hot tips that you got to give people hot tips hot tips um, learn how to work on your vehicle yourself if you can and, and if you have the time. Yeah. It's going to save you a lot of money, like a lot, and it's going to make you more useful when you don't have a mechanic nearby. Yeah. You you understand the car and you can work on it better. Like if you're like, man, that's a really weird noise, it's really easier to identify it. You're going down a washboardy road and you hear, <laughs> you're like, I bet I can figure that out, you know? Yeah. Bring a set of tools with you, at least basic tools. Those are my two hot tips. And then, you know, just stay the trail, you stay know? Stay the trail. If, there's, if there is double track or just a road, just stay on it, you know? Stay in the most designated campsite you can, you know? Protect protect what we got left mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it may be fun. I totally understand, like, pushing your car. If there's, like, a little swamp by your campground getting in your car and going in the swamp but it's just not worth it you know we only have so much land left just protect it and protect what you got and use those trails that we've all created and funded together to go beat up your car so that's about all i got hey, and man. it's been fun thanks for having me on ryan yeah dude anytime <laughs> i'm glad you flew out here to <laughs> yeah i flew out from la flew out from la it was a long flight and very windy weather by LA, he means across the office. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Oh, real quick. Sub, sub bit. Motorcycles, overlanding. Try yeah. it out. Hell yeah. <laughs> more to be, more to be uh, elaborated on there in a, yeah. in a later episode. Yeah. Owen just got into it, but 
Um, yeah. No, that's a good one. Thanks for jumping on, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Peace. Peace. Thank you.